right, well, good morning, everyone. Hey, before we jump into the scriptures, as we were worshiping here this morning, I, I felt something just kind of stirring in my own heart, and I want to just jump into that real quick before we jump into the scripture here. How many have people in your life that um, don't know Jesus, that's kind of maybe on your heart here? Let me see your hands here. I felt like when we, when we were worshiping that, that we needed to take a moment just to intercede for and pray for those people. Can you stand to your feet? Let's do this here. I apologize I didn't jump in here and worship. worship I just got got going in worship, and I just kind of got distracted by all of that. And, but I, I don't want to miss this opportunity. I feel like the Spirit of God's stirring in some people's lives. And so why don't you grab a hold of the person's hand beside you, and let's just agree here together, if you would, please. And let's just, those people that are on your heart, those people that you know that don't know Jesus, let's just begin, just call their names out loud to heaven. We can all pray here together, so I don't want you to just let me, let's just all pray here together. So, Father, all across this room, we, we do lift up the names of our loved ones and our friends who don't know you here this morning. And maybe, maybe are seeking you or may not be seeking you, but God, we know that you're running after them. God, that you're faithful to them even when they're faithless, that you haven't given up on them. And so, Father, we don't want to give up on them as well. And so, Father, right here this morning, we take this moment to lift their name before heaven and to intercede on their behalf that your spirit of adoption would move mightily in their heart, that you would draw people around them that know you. Wherever they are in this world, God, would you send laborers across their paths to be, engage them into different conversations, whether it's on the playground or on the workforce or um, in, the, in the stores or wherever it might be, God, would you send people across their path just to begin to uh, bring the light of Jesus into their lives. And Father, we, we pray against and we stand against the forces of the evil one that would try to devour them and cause them to miss out. The, the, the evil one who is lying to them and deceiving to them. Lord, we break the power of that lot, those lies and the deceits in their life. And we release them to be able to be free to choose for themselves to be able to be free to, to be able to make a decision of whether or not they're going to, to know you and serve you and give their lives to you. And so, Father, we lift them up before you. Holy Spirit, would you even today minister to them right there, right, right where they are, right here in this moment, would you inter, just intervene in, on their behalf and stir the part of eternity that's in their heart that caused them to question life and for them to experience the vanity of life and, and begin to realize that there's more to this life. God, would you stir that up in their heart, that bit of eternity? And Lord, we thank you for your love for them. We thank you that you're ministering. We thank you that you're working in their life even today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right, go ahead and take a seat, please. I wanted to make sure we did, did that. We're, we're talking, obviously, um, here this, this morning through this series about hearing the voice of God. And it's important that we respond to the voice of God. We're calling this series Frequency. And I've been showing you this picture up here over the last couple of weeks. And I just find this picture so fascinating um, that, because it's, it's a picture of all the different electromagnetic waves that are around us. And I find this so fascinating because 24-7, there's all these different electromagnetic waves that surround us, going around us, and probably even through us, um, that we're completely unaware of until we tune into one of them. And that's what a radio like this does. This is one of those old-fashioned radios from my grandfather's generation, about 100 years old. But even the high-tech radios do the exact same thing. All they're doing is tuning in to one of the radio waves that are all around us all the time. And when we tune in to one of these radio waves, then we're able to actually hear what's being broadcasted over one of those radio waves. Well, I think it's a good example because just as a radio host broadcasts his voice across the airwaves, God is broadcasting his voice all over the world. The only question is, are you tuned into the right frequency? Are you listening? Are, are you stopping to, to look and to see and to try to hear what he is saying and then being able to respond to it? That's what the series is all about. Look at this in Romans chapter 8, verse 14. It says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God... They are sons of God. I've been saying this over the last couple of weeks that God wants to talk to you. And not only wants to, he is. 
He's already speaking it to you. If you're a son or a daughter of God, he is speaking it to you. God wants to instruct you. He wants to guide you. He wants to give you counsel. He wants to help you with the difficulties that you face and the challenges that you face. And he wants to make sure that you're in the right place at the right time. And one of the chief characteristics of a son or daughter of God is that you are being led by the Holy Spirit. You're being led by the voice of God. This is one of the chief characteristics of being a son or daughter of God. And this isn't something that just happened once in every blue moon, but this should be happening for you and for me on a regular basis. We should be hearing the voice of God regularly. And I think this is so imperative for every one of us because hearing God's voice may literally be the difference between life and death for you. It may be the difference between flourishing and languishing. It may be the difference between an open door and a closed door for your life. And like I said the last couple of weeks, hearing God's voice is definitely the difference between walking in the supernatural and just walking in the natural. And let me say it again, you were created to walk in the supernatural. God created you that way. He created you so that you can hear and respond to him. And when we hear and respond to his voice, that's when life really gets exciting. That's when it becomes adventurous. That's when it takes it out of just coming to church or some sort of religious thing because we're walking and talking with God. We're having this interaction and he's intervening then in our lives. And so the first week we talked about that I'm a sheep. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. You're my sheep and the sheep hear my voice. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, he calls you a sheep, and you can hear and recognize his voice. Last week we talked about that I'm a friend. If you're a believer, if you're giving your life to Jesus Christ, you're a friend of God, and God speaks to his friends, and he involves his friends in what he is doing. This morning we're going to start talking about that I'm a receiver. Because when it comes to hearing the voice of God, just like a radio, you need to put yourself in a position to tune in to hear the voice of God. And so just like I need to see myself as a sheep, and just as I need to see myself as a friend of God, I also need to see myself as a receiver. Another one, in other words, one who can actually hear from God. Just as this radio was created to pick upon, pick out these radio waves that are around us, you were created with the ability to hear and to discern the voice of God. Now, when we start talking about hearing the voice of God, and, and next week we're going to get really, really practical, because one of the things that people ask me the most as a pastor is, how do I hear How do I hear the voice of God? What does God's voice sound like? We're going to get very, very practical next week about this. But when we start talking about how to hear the voice of God, it's imperative that you know that God will confirm his word to you. God wants to make sure that you know that it is him. So when he speaks to you, he will confirm it time and time and time again. As a matter of fact, he actually wants you to seek that confirmation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, It says, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. If you're taking notes, I want you to underline that last phrase, shall be established. Those those words in the original Greek language is the one word, histemi, which means to make to stand, to make to be firm. This is where we get the word confirm. And so there are three major confirmations that God gives for us that we're to actually seek that works for every single one of us in every situation. And so how do I know that this is God speaking and not just pizza left over in my tummy that's grumbling here? How do I know that? Number one, does it line up with the Bible? Is what I'm hearing, is what I'm sensing, is what I'm feeling Does it line up with the scriptures? Does it line up with what's written in the word of God? Because this is really important for you to understand that God's voice will never, ever, ever disagree with the written word. He will never disagree with that. In Psalm 138, verse 2, it says, For you have magnified your word above all your name." And so if you're going to be led by the Holy Spirit, if you're going to be led by the voice of God, you're going to have to put the right emphasis on the Word of God because God places an enormous emphasis on His Word. And I think the reality is that so many people are running around saying, God said this, and God said this, or God told me to do this, and God told me to do that, but it directly contra- contradicts or violates God's written Word. 
Listen, God the Holy Spirit and God the Word are not at odds with each other. They're in perfect harmony. God places a tremendous value on His Word. Look again in Psalms 138, verse 2. It says, For you have magnified your Word above all your name. Look what it says. That God actually magnifies His Word even above His name. Now, what does that mean? Why don't you think about this? Because what does it mean for you to lose your reputation? What happens when you no longer become a man or a woman of your word? When you no longer do what you say you're going to do, you promise something, but, but you don't follow through. When, when that happens, then your name has absolutely no meaning. Your name has no value. People can't trust you. And as a result, when you, people hear your name, they're going to have a a, a frown or a scowl on their face because they know that you're not a man or a woman of integrity. You're not a man or woman who can be counted on. Well, the Bible teaches us that God values and esteems his word more than he values and esteems his name. And the reason is because when a person's word is no good, then your name is no good. And that's why God places a tremendous emphasis on his word on his word. Now, one of the mistakes I think that people tend to make when we start talking about getting confirmation from the word of God, I think one of the mistakes people tend to make is that they make a decision and then they look to try to find a, a passage of scripture here that would justify the decision that they've already made. But I want you to know that's the wrong way approaching the word of God because that's not valuing the word of God. Because if it's a truth in scripture, God's going to say it over and over and over again, which means you can't take a scripture out of context and then somehow prove that that is what, then what you're supposed to do. Because here's the, here's the crazy thing. You can prove a lot of wacky things from scripture if you take it out of context. Did you know that? You can prove almost anything in scripture if you take it out of context. Let me give you a couple examples of this, because did you know that you can prove that Joshua had a motorcycle? Did you know that? In Joshua 6, verse 27, it says, Joshua's triumph was heard throughout Israel. Those of you who are motorcycle enthusiasts know that triumph is a brand of motorcycle, right? So it must be true, Joshua must have had a motorcycle. Did you know that you can prove that Moses played tennis? It's true. In Hebrews 11, verse 24, it says that Moses refused to serve in the courts of Pharaoh. So it must be true. Moses must have played tennis. And here's another one. Did you know that you can prove that there'll be no women in heaven? <laughs> Revelation 8.1 says there was not a sound in heaven for about a half an hour. <laughs> I'm just saying. You can prove all sorts of things. If you take Scripture out of context, folks. But listen, 1 John 5, verse 7 says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are... What's the word? One. These three are one. Which means the Holy Spirit will never, ever lead you to do anything that disagrees or violates the Word of God or any principle of God's Word. The Holy Spirit and the Word of God are in perfect harmony at all times. They're not in conflict with each other. They're not at odds with each other. And so if you say that God told you to do something and it disagrees with the Word of God, well, then who's wrong? You are. If you say that God told you to do something and it violates what Scripture says, then you've missed it. You've somehow you've misinterpreted or you've misseen what it is that God is trying to say because God will never, ever lead you to do something that violates the Word of God. Several years ago, um, I had a lady come up after service and asked if I would pray for her. And I said, well, okay, well, what's going on in your life? And she said, well, God spoke to me and he told me who I'm going to marry. And she was really excited about this. And so I said, well, who did God say that you're going to marry? And she proceeded to tell me the name of a person that I actually knew. The only problem was he was already married. And so I said, um, I think I might have misheard what you said. Did you say that God told you that you're supposed to marry John, who's already married to Sue? Is that what you just said? 
And without even changing a tone in her voice, she said, yes, and that's why I want you to pray with me because he needs to divorce his wife so that I can marry him. Now, how many know that wasn't God? Come on, how many know that wasn't God? That violates every principle in Scripture. Let me say it again. God will never, ever lead you to do something. He'll never speak something to you that violates the Word of God. This is why it's so important for you to read your Bible. Because then how else do you know if what you think you're hearing is violating or being affirmed in Scripture? And so this is why every single day, read your Bible. Let me just say this. The more you read your Bible, actually, the more you'll hear God. Because you'll be able to pick up, you, you know his voice more, you know his ways. And so the more you know scripture, the more you'll actually be able to hear God. And so let me just say it again, that we're reading through um, the Bible in, in a year. And you, if, you, if you're doing that, I, I, I want to encourage you to keep doing it. We're doing it through the Read Scripture app on your, on your, your smartphones. And so I'd encourage you to jump into it, whether you haven't started or not. We're in the book of Deuteronomy, except for those who um, want to be ahead of everybody else. And they're in the book of Joshua. Sorry, so it, we're, in my small group, we have a little funny thing, because one of the guys, he just thinks he's a little special, and he can go ahead of everybody. So he's already in the book of Joshua. But anyway, wherever you are, wherever you are, let me just encourage you, just jump in here. And the interesting thing, if you, were, if you started in January 1, you're doing the Read Scripture app, Deuteronomy chapter 13 was kind of interesting this morning, wasn't it? Because it was talking about what do you do when somebody says, thus saith the Lord, and it's wrong. It was pretty harsh if you read that chapter here this morning. Let me just say this. There are so many voices out there that are vying for your attention and your affection and your allegiance. There's so many voices that we have to discern and figure out what voice is that coming from. Because there is God's voice, and this is what we're talking about. I want you to hear and be able to discern God's voice. But you know what? There's also your own voice. Your own voice is really loud in you. You've been listening to your voice all of your life. Hello? <laughs> so your voice is very loud. And so, but that's a, that's a voice. But there's also the devil's voice. The devil wants to interject thoughts and ideas into you. And you always need to remember the devil wants to deceive you. He wants to destroy you. And so you don't want to have allegiance. You don't want to embrace his voice at all. But in addition to God's voice and your voice and the devil's voice, you know what? There's also culture's voice. And I don't know about you, but culture's voice seems as loud as I ever remember it being. It's a loud voice that's just coming in every single direction. And so we have to contend with those voices. And then, like I said, there's just the voice of leftover pizza that's growling in your stomach. There's all these voices that are around us. And so we need to be able to discern which voice it is that we are hearing. And that's why we need to submit. Every voice that you hear, submit it to the Word of God. That's where you start. Is this God or not? We need to allow the Word of God to determine our, and, and shape our actions and our beliefs. We need to allow the Word of God to confirm or to reject what it is that we think that we've heard from God, which means if I'm going to do that, then I have to be able to be willing to let go of all these other things. I've got to let go of my own personal preferences. I've got to let go of my own opinions. I've got to let go of my own preferences. I've got to let go of these cultural norms. I've got to let go of the, the traditions of men and even my own experiences because these are things that are going to prejudice you or bias you or tilt you toward wanting to hear these things instead of exactly what God is speaking. Look at this example in Mark chapter 7, verse 6. Jesus replied, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. Then he said, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own tradition. For instance, Moses gave you this law from God, honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father and mother must be put to death. But you say it's all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give to God what I have given to you. In this way, you let them disregard their needy parents. And so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition, and this is only one example among many others. Now, you see what Jesus was saying? 
Jesus was talking to these people. These people were holding on to their religious traditions in such a way that they're holding on to them. They were higher or greater value than actually the Word of God. And I think every one of us can do that exact same thing. We can hold on to our religious traditions or our preferences. Well, well my mom always did it this way. My dad always did it this way. You know, in my, my, my past church, this is what we always did. You know, this is what I personally experienced. But listen, it doesn't matter what church background you come from. It doesn't matter what your parents or your family did. It doesn't matter what your experiences are. It's the Word of God that we're to follow. Not traditions, not your own experiences, but the Word of God. And so when it comes to hearing God's voice, the first place that we need to run to for confirmation is the Word of God. And then the second question that I have to ask is, number two, does godly counsel agree? Does godly counsel agree? Now, I want you to notice that I didn't say goodly counsel. I said godly counsel. Because what happens, I think, with so many people is that we go from person to person to person trying to find someone who will agree with what I want to do. But that's not godly counsel. Godly counsel is someone who knows God, someone who knows the Word of God, and someone who knows you. That's who you're looking for in terms of godly counsel. That's, those are the people that we're to seek. And I can tell you, though, from my experience, this is a challenge for so many people. This is a challenge for so many of us because, you know what, we are used to being independent. We are used to just doing things on our own. So this idea of bringing somebody else into this process tends to be a little challenging. So what I've noticed over the years is that even when people try, they try to seek godly counsel, really what they're doing is they're not, they're not looking for godly counsel, they're just looking for approval. And that's different, folks. Seeking godly counsel means that you may be wrong. What you think God said, you're submitting that then to godly counsel. Not just, you're just not looking for somebody just to approve what it is that you already decided that you want to do. So let me coach you just a little bit here this morning. Can I do that? Because when you're seeking godly counsel, and everyone needs it, this needs to be a value for every one of us. When you're seeking godly counsel, then that means that you've got to be willing to lay down what you think is right. You got to lay that down. You got to be willing to lay down your preconceived ideas and your opinions. You got to be willing to lay down what you think God spoke to you. So that when the godly counsel, if they come back and say, you know what, I think you shouldn't do this, that you don't just run away mad and just completely push it out because they didn't approve of what you all were needed to do. What we need to be able to do is receive it with humility. And trust that God is speaking through that godly counsel for you. Because this isn't personal, folks. This isn't personal rejection. You're submitting these things because you literally, you want to know, is this God? I don't want to miss God. I don't want to be deceived by my own voice. I don't want to be deceived by the devil's voice. I don't want to be deceived by the world's voice. Is this really God or not? And so do you really want godly counsel or do you want approval? You're going to have to settle that thing first. Because it's godly counsel that we need, not approval. And then we just need to trust God. Because your submission to the word of God, your submission to godly counsel is going to come when you receive godly counsel that says, mm, no, I don't think this is what you're supposed to do. That's when it's going to be tested. And so instead of walking away, getting mad, leaving everything, just stay steady. Continue to bear fruit and trust that God's speaking through that wise counsel for you. Listen, we can all be wrong. Every one of us can be wrong. I can be wrong. You can be wrong. We can all miss it. I can miss it. You can miss it. But what's so imperative is that we submit those things to godly counsel. And here's the thing. God put it in place for our protection. It's for your protection. It's for my protection. And let me tell you, just from experience, so many times God will use godly counsel to keep you from going off a very destructive path. And you just need to trust it. You need to believe that God will use those godly men and women in your life to help you in that process. Look at this in Proverbs 12, verse 15. It says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. That's a pretty good one, isn't it? Do we want to be a fool or do we want to be wise? Proverbs 19, verse 20 and 21. Listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. 
There, may be, there are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. Here's another Proverbs, Proverbs 24, verse 6. For by wise counsel you wage your own war, and in a multitude of counselors there is safety. Boy, I can attest to that to be the truth. There is safety in a multitude of wise, godly counselors. Add that as a value to as you're trying to, to determine what you're supposed to do as you're praying about different things. Use this as a way of God being able to confirm his word to you. Because the question that we all need to be able to answer is, am I getting wise, godly counsel, or am I just getting stupid, self-serving counsel that's just tickling my own ears? Just trying to prove what it is that I already want to do. I want you to look at this story in 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Rehoboam went to Shechem. For all Israel had gone there to make him king. He was going to be the next king of Israel. When Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard this, he was still in Egypt where he had fled from King Solomon. He returned from Egypt. So they sent for Jeroboam, and he and the whole assembly of Israel went to Rehoboam and said to him, Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. Rehoboam answered, Go away for three days and then come back to me. Let me just say, that's a wise thing to do. Don't be in a hurry to rush to decisions. Take some time. If somebody's pressing you to make a decision right now, resist it and say, I need some time because you need to go confirm it with the word of God. You need to go confirm it with godly counsel. So he, he did a right step right there. Verse 6, then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. How would you advise me to answer these people, he asked. They replied, today you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer. They will always be your servants. So notice, again, a great decision on Rehoboam's part. He went to seek godly counsel. But verse 8 says, but Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him. He asked them, what is your advice? How should we answer these people who say to me, lighten the yoke for your fathers, your fathers put on us? The young men had grown up with him replied, these people have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make your, your, our yoke lighter. Now tell them, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid on you a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. Three days later, Jeroboam and all the people returned to Rehoboam, as the king had said, come back to me in three days. The king answered the people harshly, rejecting the advice given to him by the elders. He followed the advice of the young men and said, my father made your yoke heavy. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. It's a tragic story, especially when you finish reading the, the rest of the story, because Rehoboam, he started out right. He started out making these godly decisions, but instead of, of embracing the godly advice of his father's elders, he took the stupid advice of his friends that tickled his own ears and what he was preconceived, what he had already preconceived to do. This is what, what he wanted to, to do. And if you read the rest of the story, the result of this decision caused a civil war within the nation of Israel, and it split it into two kingdoms, a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom, all because Rehoboam refused to live by and to accept godly advice. Listen, folks, when we talk about confirmation, the first thing we need to do is receive it through the word of God, but we must also humble ourselves to receive confirmation through godly counsel. And then here's the third piece to the confirmation that we need to look for. And that is, number three, does peace reign in your heart? Does peace reign in your heart? This one is an enormous one as well because God created in you this peace gauge that he'll use to lead you time and time and time again. Colossians 3 verse 15 says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. If you're taking notes, I should underline the word rule. Because that word rule in the original Greek language is the word brabua, which means to act like an umpire. This is really interesting. Because the Apostle Paul is saying, Let the peace of God umpire your heart. 
Hear that? Let the peace of God actually be the umpire of your heart. In other words, let God's peace tell you whether it's safe for you to move forward in what you're thinking or for you whether you need to get out of that situation. Let God's peace be your umpire. Tell you whether it's safe or whether you need to get out of that situation. I want you to think about this because how many times have you made decisions and there hasn't been any peace? You've made a decision, you determine which way you're going, you're starting to head down that direction, and it's keeping you up at night. Been there? Here's the thing. When that happens, you're moving forward on something that's wrong. There's some, you've missed the timing, you missed the opportunity, whatever it is, there's something wrong with this, and that's why you're not being able to sleep. Always remember this. God will never lead you with fear. God will never lead you with fear. He'll only lead you with faith. Every step you make will be done out of faith. Philippians 4 verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If you're taking notes, underline the word understanding. That word understanding in the original Greek language is the word nous, which means logical reasonings. Logical reasonings. And the next word I want you to underline is the word guard. That word guard in the original Greek language is the word frurio, and that is a word that's a military term, and it means a garrison of soldiers. Now look what the Apostle Paul is describing here for us, because this is really big. This is how God will lead you. Because what the Apostle Paul is saying here is that it's the peace of God, this peace that surpasses all of your logical reasonings, this peace that surpasses your understanding of what you can think and imagine in the natural, this peace that doesn't always make sense to your natural reasonings. It's this peace that God will use to send a garrison of soldiers around your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. That's what he's describing here. This is what God wants to bring into your life to confirm that what you heard, what you're thinking, what you're feeling is actually coming from God. This is how he wants to just confirm. Yes, this is the way to go. Keep moving forward it. But let me just say, it's kind of a side point here. It's important for you to know that this type of peace does not mean necessarily an absence of trepidation. This peace doesn't necessarily mean an absence of trepidation. So many times people think, well, if it's really God, then this is going to be easy, or this is, this is not going to cause me any unrest. But let me just say, some of the things that God will call you to do will scare the pants off of you. That's why it takes faith. So it's not an absence of trepidation. There's something different going on. When Courtney and I, we, may, uh, were, we felt like God spoke to us two years ago about moving here to Texas, and God just kept confirming it over and over and over again. When we finally realized, okay, this is what we need to do, now we had to make it public. And so the first thing I did, I had, to, I had to tell my church staffs what was going on. Let me just say, that was the most heart-wrenching thing I've ever done. And then I had to have this big meeting with all of our leadership teams from all of our campuses. And let me just say, that meeting was horrific. It was the hardest thing I'd ever done. And then I had to get all of our congregations together and have a meeting with all the congregations, say, this is what I feel like God's calling. And it was the hardest thing I'd ever done, the most gut-wrenching thing I have ever done. After every one of these meetings, I would literally feel sick to my stomach. And felt like I was hyperventilating. I felt like I, I, needed to, I needed to get out because I felt like I couldn't breathe. But you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, when I quiet myself, even though I was having these heart-wrenching emotional experiences, I still had this knowing. I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that this was the right decision. And it wasn't because my emotions were lining up. It wasn't because that I, was, I didn't have all these, these emotional things and things not happening. It was because in the core of me, right here in the core of me, God would settle me down and just speak again. Yes, you're heading the right direction. It was just continual affirmation. Yes, this is doing right. And boy, I mean, I cried a lot. I hyperventilated a lot. I'd be sick to my stomach a lot. But at the same point, I knew that this was right. My emotions were attached to what I was leaving, but my spirit was attached to where God was taking me. And that's why there was this knowing going on. Listen, when God speaks to you, he'll confirm it. He'll confirm it in different ways. And so when he speaks to you, it's going to line up to what the word of God says. When he speaks to you, it'll be confirmed by godly counsel. And when he speaks to you, it will give you this inner peace. Every one of us, when we start talking about this, and we're going to talk very specifically next week of how we hear 
and how God practically speaks to us, you need to understand that first and foremost, seek confirmation. There's a lot of voices out there, and specific, and really at the beginning, when you're trying to learn and discern which voice this is, I just want to establish this as a foundation for you. First and foremost, seek confirmation. Because God, God will, will show you. He'll, he wants you to know that this is him speaking. And so he'll confirm it time and time again. There's so many voices out there that are vying for your attention, vying for your affection, vying for your allegiance. And so we can all miss it. I can miss it. You can miss it. And that's why when you feel like God is speaking something to you before you do anything, before you do anything, before you conclude anything, submit what you've heard first and foremost to what's already written in the Bible. Submit what you've heard to godly counsel. Bring other people along to, alongside of you. And then submit what you've heard to this gauge of peace. Is it just in there that goes beyond your reasoning, beyond your natural explanation of what's going on? Is that peace residing in you? I want you to just close your eyes here this morning. Because as we're finishing here, I want you just to put yourself maybe in that position to receive what God might want to speak even to you today, right here and right now. Remember, he's already speaking. So it's not about you trying to get God to speak. It's about tuning in to that frequency, putting yourself in a position to hear. And some of you, you may be facing some major decisions in your life, and you need to hear what it is that God's saying. Maybe some of you, you already feel like God's spoken it to you, and, and you need God to confirm it. And just remember, God will always confirm it. He'll always, don't be in a hurry. He'll always confirm what it is that he's already spoken to you. And so what do you need to do maybe this week to seek confirmation. This past week, I, I spent 16 hours with a man who flew here from Romania. For the whole purpose, his whole purpose was to seek godly counsel in a very difficult situation that he was facing. But I want you to see how desperate he was. He was willing to spend the money, to take the time, to be inconvenienced he flew in here at 5.30 in the morning, and he left at 10 o'clock at night for the one purpose, not to see Austin, not to do all the amazing things that are around here, but to seek godly advice and to have somebody pray with him and for him as he's trying to discern what it is that God is doing in his own life. What about you? How desperate are you to hear what God is saying? Are you willing to submit even what you think you've heard to the Word of God? Are you willing to submit what you think you've heard to godly counsel, to bring godly men and women who love God, who know God's Word, and who know you? Are you willing to bring them along and seek godly counsel? Are you willing to let it be confirmed by this inner peace think it's so important that as we're searching and seeking and trying to understand how to hear God's voice, that there, you need to know that there are a lot of voices out there that want you to do what they want you to do. We need to hear God's voice above all other voices. You need to hear God's voice above all other voices. And so as the worship team here this morning, as they just begin to worship, right there where you are, I'm just going to have you just stay seated here. And you can sing if you want to, but more than anything, I want you to just let this moment to be a, a point where you put yourself in a position just like a radio begins to search and tune for that frequency, that right here where you are, you just begin to let go. There's some things maybe that you need to let go of. There's some preconceived ideas and your own opinions about things that maybe right now you need to let go of. 
so right here as they begin to worship, just begin to do that and ask God just to speak what it is that he would want to speak to you. that the light of the righteous goes brighter and brighter until the full noonday sun. I think sometimes that's how God's voice seems to us. It seems dark. It seems I can't see, I can't hear. But then as little by little by little by little, you begin to hear, see, perceive, understand that this is God speaking to you. And as I was just sitting right here, I felt like God brought me into a conversation that maybe you're having with him. And that conversation was something like, but God, I can't. God, I can't hear. I can't see. God, I can't do it. And I want you to know that God I, I felt him just rush to you. You know, as a father, I love helping my kids. It's not hard. It doesn't put me out. I love it. And your heavenly father loves you that much, that he rushes to you, and he wants to help you, he wants to show you, and I heard him say this to you, he said, and I will confirm this this week, he's going to show you something this week, where it becomes a little clearer, he wants you he wants you to hear. He wants you to be able to discern. And you need to know if you've given your life to him, you are a receiver. You can. You can hear. You just got to sift through all the voices. But he's been speaking to you all along. You need to filter out the other voices and just tune in to him. If you would, I want you to stand to your feet, if you would, please. And I want to pray for you, but we're going to have the prayer team up front. And I want you to use them. <laughs> I mean, these people are here who will stand with you and pray with you. And there are times when your life is dark. You can't see, you can't hear, you don't know what you're supposed to do. And it feels like God's a long way off. And where faith comes in is that we say, okay, God, I know you're out there somewhere, but I need somebody else to pray for me in this situation. I need somebody else to grab a hold of this because I don't think I can. That's what these people are here every single week. There are people down here that will pray with you, stand with you, agree with you, to help you take a step of faith. But before they do that, I want to just pray for all of you here. And so Father, I, I pray. God, I know this thing of trying to follow you can be so confusing. And God, you know that for us. You know our tendencies. And you're, you know at one moment, we're saying, God, I want you. In another moment, we're pushing you out because we want to do our own thing. God, I'm so grateful that you don't treat us the way we deserve. God, I'm so grateful you don't treat us the way we treat you, that you're faithful even when we're faithless. And for some of you, that's the reason why you said I can't. is because you don't feel worthy. You don't feel like God can love you because of the things that's going on in your life. Let me say it again. 
God ran to you already here this morning. He's, his presence is right there with you because that's the incredible miracle of Jesus. That when we ask God's forgiveness, the blood of Jesus covers up all of that junk and nastiness in our life and all that God sees. He sees you as pure. He sees you as righteous. He sees you as one without sin. And so that's why he says you are a receiver. You can hear and he runs to you. Father, I pray that for every one of us that that would become a revelation. That's not about me trying to be good and, and doing all the right things. Because God, you already made the way. It's just about me tuning in to the frequency and stopping and listening. Father, I thank you. You didn't make this about us. <laughs> God, I'm so grateful you didn't make this about how good we can be. And then you reward us with our ability to hear you. But you did it on for your sake so because you love us that much that we can know you, hear you, and and experience you. And so, uh, Father, I pray for that revelation for every one of us. That throughout this week, that we just continue just to tune in to what you're saying. That we could just continue to make ourselves in a position to be able to hear, to receive, and to respond to what you're saying. And Lord, I pray for every person here who's been saying, I can't. Every person who says, it's, it's not working. That God, even this week, you would do things to confirm what it is that you're doing, that you confirm even things that happened here this morning. That, Father, you would surprise us. And, Lord, that you, I'm grateful that you're patient with us, that you want to confirm these things. And so, Lord, would faith rise up in every one of our hearts, faith to be the men and women of God, where we are being led by you. And Lord, I thank you that that's what you're doing in every person's life here today, that you're moving inside of them and the extraordinary is happening in and through their lives. And so Lord, I speak your blessing on them, that everything they do this week would prosper, that in their relationships and in their finances, in their work situations, God, that you would make a way where there is no way. God, you would order conversations. And Lord, your divine ability and empowerment would be upon every one of our lives this week as we go from this place. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Like I said, these people are here to pray with you, to stand with you. Let me encourage you, push you a little bit. Come forward, let people pray for you. God bless you, everyone. Give somebody a hug before you leave. Have a great week.